I want to ask you guys. Come on, bro. What do you think about? What do you think about throughout your day? If you had to catalog your thoughts throughout your day, what would they look like? Now, obviously, you would have to do it in a way that you wouldn't know, because if you were, you know, to say I'm going to catalog all my thoughts, I'm sure you would think some really deep things throughout the day so you could write them down. So it wouldn't be so surfacey, probably what you normally think about every day. But what do you think about from the moment you wake up? Perhaps as you get ready, as you go out for your day, as you're in your office, as you're interacting with your friends and your family, your co-workers, when you, when you come home, what kind of thoughts go through your head all day? Now what if, what if, we could take those thoughts and somehow project them up onto the screen right now? Not necessarily what you're thinking right now, okay? Hopefully they're positive things, particularly about me speaking right now. Um, but, you know, what kind of things would we see up there that you thought about? Let's just take yesterday, for instance. What kind of things will be placed up on that screen if we could take your thoughts and put them up there? You know, today I want to talk about the idea of mind control. All right. You know, as a kid... I always thought it would, was the coolest superpower if I could control people's thoughts. Better yet, if I could see into people's heads. I, mean, I thought, man, I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to see what people are thinking. You know, I want to see those thoughts that are going through their minds. But wouldn't it be cool if you could control people's thoughts? The coolest superpower ever. And that's what I wished I could do all the time as a child. Probably more than likely so I could influence my parents' thoughts about what I could and could not have, you know, when it came to especially snacks and food and stuff like that. Like, let me change their mind so I can get what I want. But let's talk about today mind control, but let's talk about Christian mind control. Let's talk about Christian mind control. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be uh, continuing in our study of this book and continuing in our study and celebration this month with rejoicing. In particular, rejoicing in the Lord. We had a great opportunity last week uh, to talk about what it really means to rejoice in the Lord. And we're going to carry on uh, this morning looking at what Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. Let's pick up in verse 8. It says... Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Stop right there. Here we see that Paul, as he's beginning to wrap up his letter, or continuing to wrap up his letter, his concern is about what we think about. His concern is about our minds, about the thoughts that we have throughout our day. But in particular, he's concerned about us thinking about, let's just call it, good things. Amen. Now, point number one, I want to throw to you, our thoughts. You know, Paul presents a very unique list here. A very unique list. This list is not actually Christian. 
I know some of us in the past, including myself, has, have read this scripture and said, man, I got to think about God then all day. That's not what this passage says. What he's giving is a list of Greek virtues mixed in with a few Jewish um, Old Testament kind of virtues um, as well. But he's a very unique list. And what he's doing is, is that he's playing off of their culture. He's saying, hey, as you go about your day, as you walk around, as you go and do the things that you do, I want you to try to find the good things out there in your culture. He's playing on what they know, on what they see and what they experience every day. But he says, hey, I don't want you just to go out there and find the good things. You've got to look through the eyes of the gospel. You've got to be able to look to see those things that are good, but good in God's eyes. You've got to be able to take your culture, your world, and filter it through the lens of the gospel. To see it as if Jesus were seeing it. And not everything, right? Because everything that we look around in the world today is the same as it was for them. is not good. It's not righteous. He says, why? that's why he puts in there, you've got to find whatever is. And he gives this tweaked list of Greek virtues. He starts off with, find whatever is true. Not whatever is true in your eyes, but true as in, what is true in the eyes of the gospel? In the eyes of Jesus. Whatever is noble, whatever is worthy of respect, not because everybody else lifts it up, but because Jesus himself would lift it up. He says, find whatever is right, not right in your own eyes, but right in the eyes of God. Whatever is pure, that is not tainted by the evil in the world around us, but is held up to God's standards. The last two he gives here, lovely, it's a bit, this is a wide reaching definition here. And what he says is, whatever, when you go out there in the world, I want you to look at whatever people consider lovely. Whatever they consider to be lovable, if you will. This could be a symphony. This could be something that somebody does to help the poor, to help somebody else out. He says, look for these things. Whatever is admirable, very similar. Whatever people would say, wow, that's a great thing that person did to help out somebody else who was in need. Paul says, this should be your mindset as you go about your day in the world that you live in. Amen. Now, let me be clear. This is not just positive thinking. Paul is not trying to say, just think good thoughts and you'll be great. That's not what he's thinking at all. What he's saying here is that our thoughts have to be reformed. Our thoughts have to be, if you will, transformed in the way that Christ would view your culture, your, your world, your day. Your thoughts should be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And that transformation that we experience as disciples, as Christians. Of course, when we get baptized, our sins are washed away and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit and we begin to become more and more like Christ. But Paul is taking it one step further. He's saying it's not just the washing of your sins, but your mind itself needs to be transformed into the image of Christ. My question to you, is that transformation going that deep? That even your thoughts, even the way that you interpret your day and the world around you, has it been, is it going to be interpreted through the lens of the gospel? 
You know, it's, as a, I remember becoming a, a disciple. I remember becoming a Christian and really sitting down and studying the scriptures out and finding out that my life did not match up with that of the Gospels. That my life did not, was, was not pleasing to, to the Lord. And I began to make these changes. I began to change a lot of the things and a lot of the actions that I was doing. Probably very similar to a lot of you out there today. And that was relatively easy. It's easy to change the outside things, isn't it? But a lot harder to transform your mind. A lot harder to transform your thoughts because guess what? You're the only one who sees it. You're the only one who knows what you think as you go about your day. Paul is pressing us. You've got to transform your mind as well. That's how deep that transformation of us becoming more like Christ needs to go. And have we allowed the gospel to go that deep? Have we allowed the gospel even to change our minds? To change our thought process? Now, I got a couple of examples here. Because even, I'll be honest with you, even when I was studying this out, I'm like, man, how do I explain this? How do I present this to everybody? Because guess what? I can't think what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know how you interpret the world around you. Right? And likewise, the things that I think may not be the things that you think. The way you view the world may not match up with the way that I view the world. And so what I figured was, man, let me give three hypothetical situations that perhaps something in these um, um, uh, examples will apply to each and every one of us today, all right? So let me take, I'm going to take you guys on a journey, if you will, into the mind of Jeff. It's a dangerous place. You guys, you guys ready for that? I know, I may not be um, invited back after this, but Amen. Here we go. You ready? Waking up. Sorry, there's no sound. They couldn't get work. Waking up in the morning. Coming out. And here we go. So, this is my mornings. And I'm sure, like many of you that are parents, you have a very similar situation to this. You wake up, or perhaps you're woken up by your children. In the morning. And these are the thoughts that could, if you were thinking like this passage, pass through your mind. God blessed me with a son. God blessed me with more than one. We have the purity of a child's mind. The fact that I get to have this time every morning with my children. It's incredible how easy we have access to good food like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? And then I knew I was going to take this picture, so I put, you know, fruit right there too, kind of like those commercials. And I was like, this is the part of a balanced breakfast, if you eat all this other good stuff. And then kind of balances out that sugar. Um, here we go. Also, I get a chance to mold their minds with the Word of God. We read the Bible every morning together through this children's Bible and talk about the stories. Talk about who God is. Amen. <clears throat> Got to give it up for modern buildings. I even have a house, right? Yeah. Next. A tireless servant. You notice that little red thing in the corner there? That's my wife. Uh. She, didn't, she, she didn't want to be in the picture all the way, so I said, like, well, I'm going to put you in the corner here. But... <laughs> It was, it, it was early in the morning. She was not happy that I was taking pictures of her. Um, but my wife, just thinking about the idea that she is a tireless servant. Every morning, serving our family. She's making lunches for the boys back there. 
Even the fact, thank God for marriage, that God gave me a suitable helper, that I do not have to do this on my own. Amen. But these are the things that perhaps you think about in the morning. Maybe you don't. I got to be honest with you. That's not my typical thought process. That's my ideal thought process. All right. Let's jump here to the next one. Minions. Kelly wanted me to put this in there. There's minions. She said that was great. And then I put in there. Star Wars. Yeah. These are all positive things. These are things that Jesus would want to think about. All right, next one. On your way to work. Maybe you're thinking it's incredible day. Live in a beautiful town. Christian bookstore. Electricity. I get to drive a car. I'm maintaining roads. I have a job. God loves every one of these people in each car, even if they cut me off. <laughs> the music. Thank God that someone wants to be a nurse. The public school system. We got freedom of religion. And there's so many people in need of finding God. You know, what do you think about on your way to work? What do you think about when you're driving? Does it, does it look like this? Are these the thoughts that pass through your mind? Or maybe, let's take a look as we walk into the office. Oh, glad someone thought of traffic management. That's a good one, too. Another day at work. Love that someone cared enough to decorate. She greets everyone with a smile every day. I have a, I have a job. This guy, he always looked out for me ever since I started. Works hard to provide for his family. Never heard any complaint. Single parent. Grateful for the sales tip. Always here first. Last to leave. Thanks for all those in the cubicles. Working hard with no view. Yeah. <laughs> and my desk. And my job. Nice desk. nice desk. This is not actually my office. Uh, <laughs> my office. My walk is uh, from the kitchen you saw around the corner. Um, this is actually my uh, dad's office. Uh, I got to go there and shoot this video. And those people did not know. Or maybe they did. But that's why their faces weren't in there. Um, but anyways, are these the things that you think about when you walk into your job? What kind of thoughts are you thinking about? Are you thinking about how busy your day is? How stressed out you are? How everybody else annoys you? And how you hope that one person doesn't start talking to you because they never stop? I don't know. What is it that you think about? <laughs> and that's just keeping it, keeping it real, right? You guys think with it. Amen. We're not going to go there. We'll stop that right now. Okay. Now, but what do you think about when you go to the gym? Perhaps when you go out to dinner, when you get your hair cut, when you're listening to music, when you're in traffic, when you open up the media and just, whether it be on your tablet or watch TV, what kind of thoughts are you thinking about? I mean, it's hard to think positive things right about now, isn't it? Yeah. Media is full of craziness. What, about, what do you think about when you're at your kids' sports Events. What about out for a walk at the beach? You name it. What do you see when you interact with your coworker? What kind of things do you think about? Perhaps when you see someone helping out the homeless or a hurricane victim. What kind of things do you think about? What is your thought process? Imagine if this was the way that you thought. I gotta. That's not the way I think, right? We already we already uh, discussed that. But imagine if you thought like this. What would your day look like? Yeah. I guarantee you, you'd be a lot happier. That's right, 
verse 4 would be a lot easier, right? Rejoice in the Lord. How many times? Always rejoice in the Lord. You would be able to rejoice a lot more, wouldn't you? If you were thinking all these thoughts. You know, think about your interactions with your coworkers. What, how different would they be if you were thinking like Christ? Think about your interactions with your spouse if you were thinking more like Christ. Imagine your interactions with your, with your kids. Bless you, amen. Positive thoughts. Um, imagine what that would look like. Imagine how, you're, how much more you would be prompted to share your faith. But how much more you'd be prompted to actually live out the life of Jesus if, guess what? You were thinking more like Jesus. What would your prayer times look like? I think our minds would start to be more aligned with the will of Christ, wouldn't they? Not because all of a sudden we're thinking about these incredible things, but because we think these things because we are under grace. I guarantee you that would find its way into your positive thinking, wouldn't it? You know, but as for me, I'm an extremely negative person by nature. You can ask my wife, she will tell you all about it. This is not one of my strengths. I actually tried to do this multiple times this week. To think positive, because I'm like, I'm getting up there to speak, I gotta be able to say, it. I'll tell you what, very, very hard. I was able to do it for like a minute or two, and then I'm like, Poof, off on something else, or complaining about someone who, you know, did something to me and wronged me in some type of a way while I was driving. That's just the way it goes for me. I'm a very negative person. You guys ever seen the uh, Saturday, Saturday Night Live skit, Debbie, Debbie Downer? Yes. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. She's Debbie, she's Debbie, Debbie Downer. Right? You know, they'd all be having this great time, and then all of a sudden, she throws out some zinger about people dying, and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> Debbie Downer, that's me. It could be the greatest time in the world, and I'm like, did you know people are dying overseas? And I'm like, thank you, Jeff. And you're like, Wow. This is incredibly hard for me. But as I was researching this, guess what? This, this is going to blow you away. Our minds are actually programmed to be negative. What? It's a survival skill. They figure for you to think about the worst case scenario way back when means that you would stay alive. You would think about that saber tooth tiger going to come and eat you. So you wouldn't go outside. And guess what? You would live. <laughs> so they said it's actually a good thing to be negative. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Thank you for making me feel better about my thought process. But no, this is not what the scripture says. It says, man, you got to go. We have to try hard to think like Jesus and to see our world through a positive lens and to find the areas that we can hold on to. Let's turn to chap- uh, Matthew chapter five. We're going to look at exactly what Jesus says about this. Amen. Jesus himself was actually concerned about this same thing. In Matthew chapter 5 here, we're going to pick up in verse 21. This is Jesus giving his sermon on the mount. In verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is Angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in the dangers 
of the fires of hell. Let's skip on down to verse 27. It says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Stop right there. Jesus is concerned about what you think about. He's, He's concerned about the thoughts that pass through your minds. He knew the importance of what we think about. And he was trying to raise the standards and say, it's not just about your outward actions, but it's about what goes on through your mind. You know, for a lot of us, I think if we don't pay attention to our thoughts, we don't go about our day trying to think or trying to view the world through the lens of Christ. That's probably why we're stuck in a cycle of sin. It's probably why we can't get out of those ruts. That we just can't break free because we're stuck. Because we can't transform where it begins inside our minds. We have these bad interactions with individuals, with our wife, with our kids, with our co-workers, with our roommates. Why? Because we're not taking control of the thoughts that go in our minds. We're not mission minded because, guess what? We're not thinking like Christ. We're worried and anxious about all the problems, all the list of things that we have to do. Why? Because we're not thinking like Christ. What Paul is giving us really is Christian mind control. This is literally brainwashing. I know it's kind of a dangerous thing to say from a pulpit in a Christian church, especially this one. But (laughs) Google that one if you want to. Um, Or don't, you know, either one. Don't. No, you can't. (laughs) But this is literally washing your brain. This is changing the way you think. That's what Paul is saying. Man, clean it out. Clean out the way that you view the worlds. Have it more in line with that of the gospel. That's what Paul is asking us to do. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. That's cleaning our brain. The thing about mind control is it's not just about controlling your thoughts, is it? That's just what, what you wanted to do. That would be kind of a pointless superpower, right? It's about controlling someone's actions. If you control the mind, you control the body. What has control of your mind today? What has control of your mind as we sit here today? Do you see the world through the lens of the gospel? What we think about and how we think is so critical, it's so crucial. That's why Paul and Jesus stopped to address our minds. They understood if our minds are right, our actions will follow. Point number two is our actions. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Let's just go ahead and uh, read verse 9 again. Just to remind us since we haven't read it here in a minute. Verse 9, as you're turning there, it says... Whatever, this is Paul writing to the Philippians. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. You know, Paul's concern this whole time as he's he's been writing this letter wasn't necessarily teaching something new to the Philippian church. The Philippian church, honestly, was doing pretty well. As a church, what Paul was concerned about mainly was, are you going to put this into practice? Are you going to do something? 
So far, Paul has given them, this is how you should respond to persecution. You should look towards Jesus' example. You should look towards my example. And with that, you should be unified. But I can imagine Paul at this point in time is like, hey, I'm glad you're reading my letter. But are you actually going to do something about it? It's got to be put into action. It all comes together here. Paul is basically giving them command, go ahead and do something. You know, life as a Christian is not just head knowledge. It's meant to be lived out. I think that's where a lot of us stop. Even here on Sundays, hearing a sermon, do you go back and actually apply it? Does it become something? Does it become actionable? Does it transform into something in your life? Or is it that you just soak it up and say, I agree with that. Great sermon. I'm going to go home and watch some Redskins. Do we actually do something with this? Let's talk about the campaign that we're in. We were challenged to memorize the scripture. Amen. I love it. But has it actually changed you? Are you actually doing something with that scripture? Good job. You memorized it. But is it changing your life? What about your quiet times? What about the times that you have in the morning, just you and God reading your Bible? When was the last time you actually read a scripture and were deeply convicted and it led to change in your life? Not just for that one morning, but actual lasting change. When was the last time that happened to you? When was the last time the word soaked in and just convicted you and it led to action? That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Go ahead and do something with this letter. Don't just let it be something you feel good about and say, wow, that was really convicting. And walk out the door and let it just fall behind you. But Paul, in a classic style of Paul, takes it one step further. He says, not only are you supposed to do this, but I want you to imitate my life. He puts himself up there and says, hey, do as I do. You watched me. You learned from me. Now imitate what I do. This is an incredibly hard challenge for all of us here in the room. Are our actions worthy of imitation? Are you able to say with a clear and good conscience to anybody else in this room, watch me as I follow Christ and imitate. Imitate what I do. Imitate my walk with God. Imitate how I interact with people. Imitate my thought process. Imitate the way that I love God. It's a hard question. But this should be the standard for all of us, shouldn't it? Not because we're so incredibly virtuous. Not because we're so incredibly awesome in our love for God. But because we follow Christ. Because Christ has been remade in us. Now we can call others not to imitate our greatness, but to imitate Christ within us. Amen. What Paul gives here is a classic example of discipleship. Right. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm. Others should see Jesus in you. If you were to ask your close group of friends, give a little poll and ask them, do you see Jesus in my life? What would they say? Would they be able to recognize Jesus himself in your life this morning? I think there are areas in our life that we don't want people to imitate. We would like to keep tucked away. 
That we would want to have the people, please don't see that, imitate everything else, but just not this one area. Don't imitate what I watch on TV, what I put into my brain. Don't imitate my standard of purity. I know that you're looking at me as an example, but please don't imitate my marriage and how I treat my wife. How I discipline, or lack thereof, my own children. Don't view me when I'm at work because I'm a different person. Don't look at that part of my life. Don't imitate me there. Can we say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Can we say these same words that Paul uses here? You know, for me, uh, this has been, uh, you know, every, I always got to take, maybe this is something that all of us should do, is kind of inventory of where we stand, right? How is my life stacking up to that of Jesus? And recently I've been looking at it and I've been really convicted uh, that when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to sharing my faith, I've been feeling like, man, I don't know if I can call people to imitate the same, I don't know if I can call them to follow me when it comes to sharing my faith. I don't know if I would want the teens to follow me. I don't know if I would want others to follow me in the way that I do this. Do I do it? Yeah, I do it. But is it to the level that I see Jesus? No. Is it every day? No. Can I make the excuse that sometimes I actually don't interact with different people? Yeah. But do I go out of my way? No. This is an area of my life that I've had to look at and take inventory and say, can I call people to imitate me as I imitate Christ? You know, in the past couple weeks, I've been trying to go after this. And it's, and, and it's hard. And perhaps this goes back even to my own thought process because I'm so busy thinking about everything else that, I've, that I'm not viewing the world through the lens of Christ. And it's not transformed in the act, into action as I go about my day. It's not in my mind that I need to think more like Christ. And therefore, reach out to those that are around me. This has been an area that I've been trying to go after. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you this is an area that I'm at and I'm staying there. Please, that's not what I'm saying. I think we've got to look at our lives and be able to figure out, are we worthy of imitation? We've got to take a hard look at who we are. And can we call others to imitate us as we imitate Christ? You know, Paul draws attention to our thoughts and our actions. Both need to follow Christ. It's got to be a complete package. So my challenge for us this week is to pick one part of your day. Because I think if I I were to say, hey, think positive thoughts, think like Jesus all day, I would be overwhelmed. All right? I think all of us would be overwhelmed. Like, okay, Jeff, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it really, really hard on Monday. And then uh, Monday passes, you're like, that was really hard, I'm moving on. But what if you just pick one spot in your life? Maybe it's on your way to work. Maybe it's as you wake up in the morning. Maybe it's when you are walking into your office. Maybe it's after work as you come home. Pick one area in your life for you to focus on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Just focus on that. Just one area. And then let that lead to action. Don't let it just become just something that happens inside your mind, but let it actually control you and move you to action. Our thoughts and action, when those two are in line with Jesus, you know what ends up happening? It says right here, the the God of peace 
will be with you. It's very similar to verse 7. Where it talks about, and the peace of God will guard your heart. It's going to protect you from the craziness of life. You're not going to get sucked in to all the negativity around you. We all want a life of peace, don't we? Happiness to me is um, overrated. Comes and goes. But peace, I can hold on to that. Not just any peace, but the God of peace. Amen? But it starts with mind control. It starts with us controlling our thoughts and having and transforming it and forcing it to be more like Jesus. And to see God in everything. And to live a life worthy of imitation. To have our thoughts actually lead to action. And the God of peace will be with you. So let our minds be controlled by the Gospels. And let our actions be worthy of imitation, church. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.